today we're focusing on that last uh, pillar of power. And so uh, as we go into this last one, I'm going to recap again quickly our first three pillars, which are pursuit of Jesus. So we're pursuing Jesus and we're doing it united together as well as united apart. So we're pursuing Jesus when we come together. And if you notice, when you walk in the sanctuary doors here or the worship center doors here, it says united in pursuit. Because when we come together in this room, that is our purpose, to pursue Jesus. And so we're going to do that through worship, through prayer, through the preaching of the word. We're going to pursue Jesus when we're apart. We're going to do devotional times on our own. We're going to study God's word on our own. We're going to pray on our own. We're going to worship on our own. Why? Because when we are united in pursuit of Jesus apart, it will also bring greater unity when we are united in pursuit together. And then the second week, we talked about prayer for others, specifically prayer for the needs of others. This is not our pursuit prayer, our spending time with Jesus prayer, but this is prayer focused on the needs of the body of Christ and our world. We're united together and we're united apart. That's why you've seen the change in how we pray on Sunday mornings where I drop the mic because Pastor Jonathan should not be the only one praying on Sunday mornings. Amen. We should all be praying. So we drop the microphone and we pray together. And I am believing that one day your voices will outpray mine. Like I won't need a microphone because you will be praying along with me and there will just be a beautiful course of prayer lifted up to Jesus for the needs of this body, our community, our country, and our world. And so uh, resources, I'm going to go over that in a minute. I'll cover it all in the end. And then finally, last week, we talked about our purpose of reaching others, both when we are together and when we are apart. We talked about how, you know, we're going to serve our community through Empower Youth. We're going to clean this year like we did two years ago, and last year was COVID, and so it was a little chaotic, but we're going to pick that back up this year. But we're going to encourage you as individuals to serve your community as an individual, because we believe we're united in our purpose, both when we are together and when we are apart. Amen? Amen. So I talked about, you know, I had my bucket. I said my goal is that I'm going to pick up a street a week uh, in our community of Bethel. I had to take a pause. Um, I actually did it. I, I did it every week in December. And then I got in the other car accident, and I had to put a pause on that because I can't actually bend down well enough right now. And, but as soon as I can get that back up, and actually I've decided with my wife, I'm going to be getting a little grabber, so I'm going to be looking like one of those old dudes in the park with my grabber, and uh, I'm all about that life. Anyway, so then we talked about our resources. We have our prayer guide over in Pursuit Corner, and so our prayer guide is something we're walking through. It has a scripture reading a day, and it has a prayer each week, and then we have our Right Now Media Guide, and so this is our online digital library that is free to everyone who's in our church, including those of you who are watching online. And then we have our promises from the Word of God. We talked about how there are times in our life when we don't know what to pray. So it's important to pray the promises of God over your life. And so it helps you begin to focus, um, a little, narrow your focus a little bit. And then we talked about how, you know, as we're praying for the needs of others, the most important thing we can pray for is salvations. And so on the back wall, uh, we have our United in Prayer cards. So when you're going to invite somebody to church, or you're going to share Jesus with somebody, we're asking you a month out from you doing that, because how many of you know that, yes, there are opportunities that Jesus places in your lap, but then there are people that you should be praying for, and you are pursuing the opportunity 
and you're believing that, hey, very soon I'm going to be sharing my faith in Jesus with this individual. And so when that moment comes, we ask you to write it down so we can pray for you by name and drop it in the prayer box. We have the prayer cards in the seat backs and online. Our purpose wall and the purpose cafe of ideas that we are, and this is big, we are encouraging you as individuals to say, hey, this is an idea I have of reaching my community, of reaching my neighbor, of reaching my coworker. We're asking you to write that down, put that on the wall so that we can be inspired by each other. All right, that's the recap. Whew, I feel like I've been doing that a few weeks, but recapping is important. All right, now, today we're talking about how all of these things are possible at all. After all, our, our relationship with Jesus is a living Thing. It's, it's, it's a relationship that is alive. Um, you know, my wife loves gardening. Last year, she really got into it. And now, uh, literally this week, we are weeks away from being able to plant anything. But she's like, I need to buy my seeds. I need to be ready. I need to plant my garden. And uh, so we were at Lowe's this week picking up some seeds. And we don't get, buy all our seeds at Lowe's. We get them from the feed, feed mill here in town. We go all over the place, right? Because that's what you got. You got you to get the whatever, whatever. So, but here's the thing about plants. Plants need water. Plants need uh, literally sunlight, right? They need carbon dioxide that they photosynthesize into oxygen. They, they need things in order to actually survive. And what's funny is my wife has learned that she cannot keep plants alive anywhere in our house, in our house, because she's really good with her garden, but in our house unless they are at the sink. Why? Because at the sink, when she's, you know, doing dishes or she's getting water to cook, she literally can just go, I need to water this. And with our relationship with Jesus, sometimes we have to put things in places in order to remind us to say, hey, I got to water this relationship. I got I to gotta give sunlight to this relationship. Why? Because our relationship with Jesus is alive, and if we're not growing in it, we are shriveling and dying in it. So we need to be engaged in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, Peter himself talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, when we look back to original language of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, when it says, as you come to him, what it's actually saying is an ongoing process of as you regularly come to Jesus. This is this is something that should encourage you, it should challenge you, and that you should regularly come to Jesus, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday nights, but every morning of your life, you choose to come to Jesus, because that relationship is important, and we're going to talk about that relationship today. As we, as we move forward, another thing I think about in regards to our relationship with Jesus and how it's important to make it our priority is, you know, the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 7 of the wise and foolish builder. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And when the storms came, 
The house built on sand could not withstand the pressure, but the house built on the rock, that is Jesus Christ and his teachings and his plans for you, were able to withstand the storm. I think about Pastor Julie preaching at the end of December when she talked about being rooted in Christ in 2021 because we all came at the end of 2020 and said 2021 has got to be better. And then 2021, seven days in, we rejected our free trial and we're not willing to purchase it. It's a joke from online, but obviously none of you are online. False! I know all of you are online. Ephesians 4, just in different ways. Ephesians 4 paints this picture for us in such a beautiful way. Verse 11, it says, So Christ gave himself, I'm sorry, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's important to be in church. It's important to be a part of a church. Why? Because if you are not a part of the body, then what's taking place is that you are not under the authority that God has placed apostles, prophets, pastors, uh, teachers, evangelists to equip the body for what is to come so that we can be brought into unity, so that we can withstand. In fact, if you continue on in Ephesians 4, this is what it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as a pastor, it is my responsibility by God to show you what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, how to I should be, I'm called by God to resource you, to encourage you, to challenge you. There are moments where you are not going to like me. How many of you loved your teachers at all point growing up? No, none of you. There are certain moments where you got fed up because you're like, I'm not understanding or I don't want to do it that way. I'll tell you right now, I drove my teachers nuts because I didn't want to do it the way my teacher taught me. And then finally I gave in and learned they were right. And as a pastor, I recognize that there are going to be moments in your life when you are a part of this church where you go, Pastor, I don't necessarily agree with that. And then I have to take myself and I have to check myself and say, God, is this me or is this your word? Because if it's me, I, I have to check myself. And I do, trust me, I do check myself. My wife can tell you, I check myself. <laughs> I have nights where I can't fall asleep because I'm afraid I did something in the wrong manner. Why? Because I take my calling very seriously. But the next question is that, as a pastor, that's my calling. But how many ministers do we have at our church? All of you who are followers of Jesus are ministers of the gospel. So what does that mean? That means you are the workers. 
And when I say you, I mean I'm included because I am a minister as a follower of Jesus. Yes, my calling is pastor, but I am also a minister called to go into the world. I am called to step out and as well as you. Don't expect your pastor to be the only one to invite people to this church. Don't expect your pastor to be the only one to share Jesus. I, was, I growing up, I remember uh, as a kid, it was so easy for me to just invite somebody to youth group rather than tell them about Jesus. And as an adult, I look back and I go, that was immaturity in my faith. That I was unwilling to share, and I put all the pressure on my pastor. Listen, you are a minister of the gospel, and today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how, as a minister of, of the gospel, you can live. CJ, calm down. It's a baby. CJ, CJ. It's, it's a, yeah, there you go. All right. So, anyway, as we move forward today, what I want to encourage you with and what I want to challenge you with is this. When I was a, when I was a worship pastor uh, early on, obviously I was a sophomore in college, and uh, this is when I drove an hour to go to church because no church around our college was willing to let me uh, serve because they just had all the college students and I was a loser who didn't have any experience. And so I drove an hour uh, to a church to lead worship. And uh, my first week I had me and two of my college buddies and then they were never coming back. And uh, so then I did a few months by myself at a piano with a microphone. Um, we had like 11 people in our church. And then God began to do something cool. And uh, in a matter of four years, we grew from probably 11 uh, to, we had around 75, 80 people uh, in service. Uh, but what was really unique was that God just brought these musically talented people uh, to our church. And so what that meant for me was I had a worship team and then I had another worship team. So I literally had to, I had to schedule instruments, I had to schedule vocalists, I had to schedule all of these different things. But we would, we would gather together as, with everybody. And one of the things I would always tell my team is this, is that if you're not worshiping Monday through Saturday, then our worship on Sunday will never reach its fullest potential. If you're not praying Monday through Saturday, then our worship will never reach its fullest potential on Sunday. And if any one of you chooses not to do what you are supposed to do, we will not reach our fullest potential on Sunday. Why? Because we are a body made up of many parts, and if any part is falling behind, then we all are lagging behind at some spectacle. So, we are united together. We have a responsibility to God to do our part, to pursue Him, to pray, to live on purpose. And all of you ask the question, Pastor, what does this have to do with power? And this has been my introduction to the message. I'm kidding, but I'm also not kidding. We're going to be united in power for a very, very, very important reason. You know, when I, I, I put these tools up here today, and I, I just chose simple ones that were easily grabbable. I could have pulled a bunch more up, but, um, you know, I, I like to I like to work with my hands. I like to do a lot of different things. I can't do as much as I used to. Um, but people will ask me questions like, how did you do that? Um, and I always like to respond in a joking manner. I like to say, when you have the right tool, you can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, and for me, I think back to when I was a kid. Uh, I, I built my parents' deck at their house with my grandfather. And uh, I was given a drill, okay? And we 
we had built the deck, we leveled everything out, and then it was my responsibility to put the screws into the boards, the walking boards, uh, and make sure that they would be secured into the thing, into whatever. I can't listen. I don't know what I ever say. I just know how to do things. And so I remember as a, I think I was 12 years old boy, uh, screwing these screws down into the deck. But what I also remember as a 12-year-old boy is how many strews, strews, screws that I stripped. And my parents um, actually just chose to fill in their pool this past year. And so one of the things they had to do in filling their pool is they had to take off deck boards. And as they were taking off deck boards, they came across many, many screws that they would not be able to undo because a 12-year-old boy didn't fully understand how to operate the tool that was in his hands. And what I've learned as I have grown and as I've walked into uh, multiple different projects, um, not just here, but you know, when you serve at small churches, uh, you end up doing a lot of weird different things. Uh, my first pastor in Ohio, I, I did so many unique things I never expected to do. But I learned that the right tool in the wrong hands can cause a lot of damage. I learned that the right tool in the wrong hands can cause a lot of damage. You can, you can not just strip a screw, you could break a tool. You could mess up an entire project and set your project back days, weeks. Sometimes it can uh, cost you hundreds of dollars. Sometimes it costs you, uh, when it's 15 degrees out, having to go inside to grab boiling water because you spilled a gallon of paint all over your church's parking lot and it looked like you killed some Smurfs. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I did that. You know, and so when I, when I think about tools, and, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to go into this, but, like, we are a vessel. We are a tool that can be used by God. We are instruments of his, or we can choose to put our life into something else. And what I've learned in my life is that when I'm willing to say, God, I am a vessel of yours, I'm a tool of yours, I'm an instrument of yours, I'm usually going to walk uh, through life with greater purpose, uh, greater peace, uh, greater joy. Uh, yeah, there are going to be trials. There are going to be trials, uh, but all my trials will have purpose. And so when I, when I think about all of these things, and when we're talking about being united in the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that I recognize we have to do, we have to do before we move forward, and some of you may even disagree with me here, but I promise you, I'm right. Because I go to the Word, and this is what it teaches, and this is what it shows. So when we're talking about being united in the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the things we have to recognize is that our power is not the same as the Spirit's power. And, you know, one of the things I like to think about is there are people sometimes who think, you know, I've given my life to Jesus, so I'm always walking in that power. I assure you, I don't know what that noise is, but that's freaking me out. Um, hit the middle button, groups. Do you see that, groups? All right, mute everything but pastor. And then when we go up for worship, they can unmute everything. 
because that, yeah, you just muted me. There we go, back on, good job. <laughs> All right, so when, I, when I'm saying these things, I, I need you to understand that we're going to have to confess and then walk out that confession if we are ever going to see our full potential realized as followers of Jesus. Um, there's a difference between uh, being saved and growing in your relationship with Jesus. I know a lot of people who have prayed a prayer, who have given their life to Jesus, but I also know a lot of those people who have said, yeah, but I'm content where I am. And I can tell you right now, if you're content in your relationship with Jesus, then there is definite room for growth. And what I've also learned is that those who have a desire for growth are those who are growing. I must say that one more time. Those who have a desire for growth in their relationship with Jesus are those who are growing. So let's, let's move forward then, because uh, one of the things we have to realize uh, as we move forward is that the Holy Spirit lives within you if you are a follower of Jesus. Romans 8, beginning in verse 9, uh, says it this way. You, however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives within you. What is Paul saying here? He's saying in very simple terms, listen, the spirit of God lives within every believer. It's his deposit into your life to show you that you have a hope and a future in heaven with Christ. All right, that's what, why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. And, and what we also have to understand is that, in that is that that same power that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit lives within you. The creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit, because he's a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yes, they are individual persons, but they are united as one in the Trinity, lives within you. Maybe, just maybe, we should learn how to tap into that power. But I also assure you, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. I've, I've read this a few, few times in the last few weeks. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Before we move any further, we must admit and confess that God is wiser than me. We, his ways and his thoughts are higher and better than mine. And we, we read in the scripture that he is the giver of all wisdom. And if he is the source of all wisdom, I assure you that your wisdom does not amount to God's wisdom. And therefore, you are not 
as wise as God. And so you can say it with me if you want to, or you can say it in your mind or your heart, but I want us to declare this today as a follower of Jesus. I am not as wise as God. I'm not as wise as God. So when you're walking into a problem, when you're walking into a situation that's unknown to you, that's foreign to you, that's confusing to you, guess what? That is an opportunity for you to recognize that this is my lack of wisdom and I need to turn to the one who has wisdom. But it's not just this. We, we continue in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So God is wiser than us. His ways, his thoughts, they, they are so much higher. But he's not just wiser, he is smarter than you. He knows everything. There is nothing that is hidden from God. Listen, listen, there are news organizations and none of them know as much as God. There are people who love to talk, and none of them know as much as God. There are teenagers, right? <laughs> none of them know as much as God. And I say that as a joke, but we, listen, we've all been a teenager at some point in our lives. We all know that as a teenager, you think you know everything. Lord, thank you that you save us and you speak to teenagers, and you transform them, and they will not stay there forever. So, God is wiser than us, but God is also smarter than you. And so, you know, our second confession that we have to be able to say is, and then we can say this together if you want, I don't know as much as God. I don't know as much as God. And, you know, what's amazing to me about this, and, you know, this is this is one of the things I like to walk out as a follower of Jesus, not just as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus. I ask God to reveal things to me. God, I need you to speak to me here because I'm walking into something where I don't have as much knowledge. And there have been moments where God has revealed things and spoken unseen things. And guess what? He was right. He was right. He knew more than I knew crazy. But then let's go another step further. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is, listen, God's hand is all over the place. You can look at the mountains, you can look at the oceans, you can look at the streams, the rivers, the air you breathe, the human body. I can assure you that God's mighty hand is evident all around us. Nobody is without excuse. So that's what it says. I also love how Job puts it in Job 42 too. He, he, he's repenting before God because he called God out and he was like, I, that was a foolish statement, God. And this is, this is the statement he makes. He says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Listen, if God is going to do it, there is nothing that can stand in his way. I'm going to say it one more time. If God is going to do it, there is nothing that can stand in his way. 
Church, you want to know how you can be encouraged right now is that God is in control of who is in control. Listen, if you need hope today, there is no one, there is no thing that stands above my God. Pray as such. Pray for transformation. Pray and watch the God of peace give you all that you need. I think it's actually time I, I had written this down and I read it in pre-service prayer. I, I, when I was praying one of the days recently, uh, I had asked God, you know, what do, what do you want to say? And I, this was the word I felt like it was important, but I, I knew it was for our whole church. He says, for peace to be received, you must first give me your anxiety. You must hand over the source of your worry. You must be willing to sacrifice your normal routine for a new normal. My peace is ready to be given, but as my word says, you need to pray about everything. Tell me what you need. And so as we Yes, thank God for his word that he's still speaking. But as we, as we walk through this part, so God is wiser than me, God is smarter than me, but God is also stronger than me. He is, I praise God for that, that he is stronger than me. So our, our final confession this morning is, I can't do as much as God. I can't do as much as God. And there is rest in that, right? I don't have to be all things to all people. I don't have to be people's savior. I don't have to be my children's or my wife's savior. I don't have to be my wife's or my children's provider. Yes, I am called to work and earn a paycheck as a man. Understand that. But also, and when I say a man, as an individual, okay? Listen, just being real. The next part of that is this. My God is the one who provides for my job. My God is the one who provides and sustains me in all these things. So my God is wiser. My God is smarter. My God is stronger. And listen, I, some of you, you hear this and you go, I don't, I don't necessarily like where we're going here because this is just putting me down. Like, I don't want to be told that I'm not that strong. I don't want to be told that I'm not that smart. I don't want to be told that I'm not that wise. But I assure you, there is freedom in Christ because our world is definitely not that smart. And our world is definitely not that wise. And we, I can assure you, they're not that strong. So here, here's the encouraging part. This is, this is where we take our confessions and we turn our confessions into power. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says this statement. He says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I'm going to say it one more time. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are are possible. So what does that mean? That means I am weak and I am not able. And there will be things that I will encounter in my life that I will not be able to achieve on my own. But guess what? With my God leading the way, with my God empowering the way, with my God showing me the way, I can walk and know that I can step into it and I can succeed in it, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Philippians 4.13, we know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We take this verse out of context, and this is why it's even more encouraging when you put it into context. The context of Philippians 4.13 is not that you can achieve great things, it's that you can endure hard things. 
Understand that Philippians 4.13 is that you can endure all things because of Christ empowering you and strengthening you. Jesus says, listen, with God, all things are possible. The apostle Paul says, listen, you can endure anything because of Christ. Listen, you are weak. Listen, in comparison to God, you are dumb. But guess what? My God lives within me. And, and my God wants to empower me. And my God wants to reveal things to me. And my God wants to lead me. Church, that is love. That is grace. That is freedom. Because what that says is I don't have to feel bad when I fail. And you're going to fail. Because you're weak. You're going to fail. But guess what? Everything that you should achieve in life will be achieved in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Why? Because with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So when the world, this, this, is, this is where we have to kind of change our language a little bit because there are moments where the world says things and we're like, yes, but we have to be willing to talk differently because we live differently and we think differently. So when the world says, I am enough, we say Christ is enough. Amen. When the world says, I am enough, we say Christ is enough. And guess what? Christ lives within me, and therefore, and why does Christ live within you? Because you are valuable. You are valuable. You are beautiful. You are chosen. He loves you. He would, yes, you are enough in his eyes, but not enough to do all the things you want to do. Christ is enough. When the world says, I am strong, we say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because of Christ in me. It's in my weakness. It's in my vulnerability that Christ shines in me and through me. The world says, I can do anything I put my mind to. And we say, through Christ's leading, I will accomplish everything that Christ lays before me. I'll tell you one thing. I have failed in so many ways when I tried to do things on my own. And I, I, I look out at a bunch of faces and I, I know. She's like, yep. Let me, let, me tell, let me count the ways. Let me count the ways where I thought I could do this. And man, I couldn't do it. But I'll tell you one thing I've never failed at. Walking in obedience to God's calling upon my life. And what I mean by that is, there have been times I've been disobedient. <laughs> what I'm saying is, every time I've walked in obedience to something he's called me to, I've never walked into failure. I've always walked into purpose. We have to understand we should look different. We should sound different. Why? Because we are empowered by the most high God. We live different. We talk different. We sound different. We look different because of Christ in me. So why is the power of the, the pillar power so important for us? Because if the power of Christ is not living within you, I assure you, you're not going to be able to pursue Jesus when we're together and when we're apart. I assure you. Why? Because there's an enemy of your soul who wants to pull you away. And you are weak. 
I assure you that without the Holy Spirit empowering you, it's going to be really hard to pray for others because there's an enemy who wants to divide you from the body of Christ. I assure you that you're not going to live on purpose the way Christ is calling you to if the Holy Spirit is not empowering you because you are a self-centered individual at heart because of the flesh within you. Yeah. So why is power so important? Because without the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, it's impossible to walk out of life honoring Jesus. So what do we do? Every day we wake up and we say, Christ, more of you, less of me. I'm going to say it one more time. We wake up every morning and we say, Christ, more of you and less of me. Holy Spirit, would you empower me today for what you are calling me to? Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes today to see what you want me to see? Holy Spirit, would you open my ears today to hear what you want me to hear. Holy Spirit, would you empower me physically day, today to accomplish all that you desire me to accomplish? Why? Because Christ in you is greater than anything you will face every day of your life. What does that also mean? That means we pray with power. We pray believing that God can, that God will. This morning, as the worship team comes, I want to encourage you to do some things as we move forward. One is that commitment to daily say, Jesus, I want to walk in your spirit's power. So Jesus, would you guide my eyes? Would you guide my ears? Would you strengthen my hands and my feet? Jesus, would you, would you grow my heart, <laughs> right? Would you transform my heart? Jesus, would you empower me to walk out what you're calling me to? Then, the next thing I think we all need to do, and this is something, I'm, I'm not saying you need to do this every day, but I do think it's something we should do weekly, is that we should pray and ask God, where am I walking in my own strength? Listen, that's, that's, a, that's a rough prayer because if Christ answers that the way he should and the way he will, he's going to say something to your heart that might really make you go, I don't like that. But I can assure you as your pastor, there are moments where I've walked out being a pastor in my own flesh rather than in his strength and spirit. Why? Do we ask, why do we say that prayer? Because he's stronger and because he sees more than you see. And it's so easy to begin to fall into the, into the temptation of, I can do this on my own. All right. So we take a step back and we say, Jesus, reveal to me where I'm living in my own strength, where I'm living in my own thoughts, where I'm living in my own. And would you then help me to walk in your spirit's power instead? How do we walk in the spirit's power? Thank you for asking the question. The beginning, I mean, the simple way to answer that is to pursue Jesus. It's a cycle. 
If you pursue Jesus daily, you're going to be empowered by Jesus daily, and the empowerment of Jesus daily will encourage you to pursue him daily, and you'll just continue in that cycle. At some point, the enemy will throw some kind of circumstance at your life, like a car accident, that will want to pull you off track, but I assure you, you get right back on track. You don't, you don't stay squandered in your what you would consider a failure. You just say, no, I messed up a day, and now I'm going to keep moving forward. What I want to encourage you with today is this. At the end of Romans chapter 8, if you remember, we read Romans 8 earlier when we talked about the Spirit of God that lives within you. We're going to pick up in verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Church, why is the empowerment, why is pursuit so important? Because it helps shape your identity in Jesus. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm going to jump forward here a bit. In verse 31 of chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, there is nothing stopping Jesus from getting to you other than you. Say one more time. There is nothing separating Jesus from you other than you. He's already made a way. He's already made a way to empower you. He's already died on a cross to pay the price for your sins. He's already made a way for you to be in relationship with him. He's already sent his Holy Spirit so that you can be empowered through him. There is nothing, nothing to separate Jesus from you other than you. So we pursue Jesus daily. And as we pursue Jesus, he empowers us to walk a life of prayer, 
to walk a life of purpose, to walk a life in pursuit of him, which empowers us to walk in prayer, to walk a life of purpose, which will help us to live in pursuit of Jesus. Church, it is an endless cycle, but what's amazing about this cycle is that as we continue to walk in it, we recognize the empowerment becomes greater. The pursuit changes and transforms, and who we were in our first cycle is not the same as we are in yesterday's cycle. Why? Because we're growing every step of the way because of what Christ is doing in me. This morning, we're going to sing one song in closing. My encouragement to you is this. Pray that prayer. Jesus, where am I living in my own strength? And then pray the prayer. Jesus, empower me to walk in your strength, in your plan, in your will every day. Jesus, today we recognize who we are. God, we are not as strong as you. We are not as smart as you. We are not as wise as you. But I thank you that you choose and you chose to give your son and give us the Holy Spirit so that though I may not be wise, you grant me your wisdom. Though I may not be smart, God, you reveal things to me. God, though I may be weak, you give me your strength. So Jesus, I surrender who I am and I walk in your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.